Grizzle Welcome back Live. to the Grizzle Live interview series. Boom, boom. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I hope everyone's having a great summer. We got a special guest. Uh, we met her on a Twitter Spaces about none other than Peloton. Ooh, an We're epic talking. Twitter Spaces, I gotta say. Uh, that was great. And uh, Louisa Nicola was hitting it, hitting it, uh, heavy hitter on the power of mental, peak mental fitness. And uh, we're going to bring her up, man. Scott, bring her up. Here she is. Louisa, how's it going? Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. This is, I have to tell you, this is my first Twitter Live. So we have to celebrate that. Amazing. <laughs> boom, boom. And well, you know what? It's it's a little more, uh, it's less behind the scenes than Twitter Spaces, which if people don't know, it's very similar. Twitter Spaces is like Clubhouse. It's like a audio-only chat environment. But um Nicole, we're very happy to have you on. And you know what? Like, we, there was a great, uh, like, all your insights were bang on about Peloton. But we're going to just talk about what we're going to talk about today is, you know, what you do, your, your prime time. Um, could you just give, a, give us a background about you, neurosciences, how you got into the world of pro, pro athletics and, uh, you know, and beyond? Yeah. So originally trained as a neurophysiologist, I, so I first started off, I was actually an elite triathlete. So I know the behind the scenes of what it takes to be at the top of your game, triathlete, if you know, swim, bike, run, three sports, uh, very competitive, made it to the top of, uh, top of Australia. Uh, I went and studied, I went and studied medicine. I went into the medical field, mainly in neurophysiology. So have you ever seen, um, you know, how you wear those caps and you've got those leads coming out of them? That's uh, a, yes. that's pretty much what I did. Uh, but I saw a gap in the market, guys. I thought, you know what? Everybody who goes to med school, everybody who studies science goes and works in private practice or they work in a hospital setting. And being an athlete, I had this dream and it was around 2015, I thought, why don't I come at the intersection of neurology and sport? So I started pitching myself to a number of different athletes and teams back in 2015. It wasn't, it was highly criticized in Australia because it was so new. And in 2016, I, I moved here. I got picked up by two pro athletes. They took me on board. I trained them. I did all of their mental coaching. I did all of their brain optimization. And then I formed my company, Neuro Athletics. And ever since it just took off. That's amazing. Yeah. And maybe you could talk about what the regime, like like how how we, so, so many athletes spend so much of their time on the, you know, mm. on the reg, regime around their body. And, you know, it's all on and fitness. You know, you, you, you can read it everywhere, right? How does this person look like this? But behind that, in terms of actually winning, because you're doing all of this to win something, the mental is such a huge part of it. it could you talk about that dynamic and just what it takes to be a mental winner? Yeah. You know, I hate when I see people say it's 90% mental, 10% physical, because it's not. It's actually always 100% brain and nervous system. Your brain and your entire nervous system, you have one, I have one. It's a beautiful thing. It actually controls everything we do from our thoughts to our emotions to our actions how we sleep uh, how we perform how we recover so it is it, it plays such a massive role on every part of physical performance now i can tell you that look at lebron james he's you know he's at the top look at anybody at the top of their field look at let's take uh, tiger woods for example physically he was at the top of his field it's not like you can go up and say to him hey i'm going to teach you a new skill 
right? As Tiger Woods, he'd yeah. probably be like, you're not going to teach me a new skill. However, right. what did we see? We see that unfortunately he's been, he battles with addiction. He battles with uh, depression. He's, you know, he rode his car off, what was it, like six, eight, nine months ago. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it all comes down to no matter how skillful you are physically, what are you doing to protect your brain? What are you doing to protect your mental performance? What are you doing to actually protect and optimize your brain so you can have more out of life? And I'll just add on that. With athletes, there is an expiration date. With right. NFL players, with NBA players, there is an expiration. You can't play in your 60s, okay, depending yeah, on what yeah. sport you are. So what are you going to do afterwards? How are you going to protect your brain, your body? How are you going to keep going and overcome that? Most athletes go through that slump. You know, they finish, they retire. They're like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, it's it's, it's a very, like, it, it, it very... They treat people like commodities. The business is yeah. just there to spit people out. And you're like, okay, well, you know, who's the new it? And then, you know, short of, you know, uh, you're at the top, top. But, the, yeah. you know, everyone else, the 95% of other people in the NBA that no one kind of remembers, what happens to them mentally, right? And, uh, you know, the, yeah. that that aspect about winning and just, you know, putting it, putting it all together is – when you think about going back in sports, it's almost like every decade where we are in terms of understanding the power of the mental fitness is just so much bigger than, than, you know, back in the eighties, people smoking cigarettes, you know, yeah. pounding beers. I was, you know, going through your Instagram, Instagram, we were looking at alcohol as being a, as being a big, you know, oh, yeah. big negative, right. I, I'd love to hear about just, you know, how you think about broader, like where, the athlete of today is a much different beast than the athlete of like, say, 10, 20 years ago. Well, yes and no. The only reason why the athlete now is a, a bigger beast is dependent on the team around them. Obviously, with the rise of technology, we've, you know, we didn't have technology 30, 40, 60 years ago. We've now got a whoop watch that actually tells us our biometrics, it says, hey, Louisa, your HRV is down. You probably don't want to go too hard. Imagine if we had that six years ago. I was at the top of my game 10 years ago and I didn't have that. I just had a, a HR monitor. So uh, we're becoming smarter athletes. However, I still think that there is a need when it comes to NFL coaches, when it comes to NBA coaches, they're still not finding that nuance when it comes to neuroscience. And I'm going to leave the whole concussion protocol out of this. I'm just going to talk merely on the fact that a lot of the teams, and I know this because I get hired by a lot of the players, you know, outside of the teams, they're not getting that, that brain performance, brain optimization, albeit it's a new field and they're not getting that yet. So maybe in the future, but I do think that we are breeding better athletes now due to the advancement in science, due to the advancement in education and technology. Now I have a question for you because you, you made an interesting comment that got me thinking, do you work with athletes when they're in their prime and they're competing as well as say yeah. when they've ended their career to help them transition? Or is that something you're thinking about doing? I might think about doing that right now. It's um, I, I'm directly working preseason and midseason, not so much off season. The you know the guys like to do their own thing off season, yeah. and then I don't want to know what they're doing off season. Um, but maybe down the line, yes. Another thing uh, that we've started to do in the last year is we've kind of segued and gone into Wall Street as well. So it's an interesting intersection there. So it's not just athleticism. It's like here's you know we've got we've got a few hedge funds that are you know that are under the neuroathletics belt or bandwagon if you will we've got 
over a hundred portfolio managers and I treat them like athletes. You know, they say, well, Louisa, we're not athletes. I go, but you are, if you want to have an athletic brain, if you want to be able to perform better, think faster and live longer, don't we all, then you need to be training your brain like an athlete. So I treat them no differently than when I treat my elite athletes. Hmm. Could you talk about some of that training that, because it's very interesting, right? Because we, we like at the end of the day, portfolio management is very much I need to beat everyone around me plus this index and I need to be you know at yeah. the top of the pack and in a lot of ways too yes <laughs> having been a you know portfolio management is 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 so mental that that people let their physical appearance go just thinking that they're you know like give the number of overweight yeah. just stressed out just like you're like take care you know when you, when you say that whole take care of yourself a lot of people on Wall Street could take care of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Look, it's, you know, when you say, what do you do with them? I mean, I do a number of different things, but let me talk about one thing that I think is a really key attribute that a lot of people, not just hedge fund managers and in the finance world are missing. And that's that component of sleep. You mentioned earlier that you, you know, follow me on Instagram. I speak about sleep a lot. It's something that I had to study when we're at university going through neurophysiology, you know, we tap into sleep and sleep science. And that's where I was like, holy, holy crap. Like this is a, this is unbelievable. And you really understand what sleep does to the body and lack of sleep does to your brain and your longevity. You really want to be optimizing for it. Now let's take, for example, if one of the key qualities of making a good trade is you know, having a sharp mind or a clear mind or even being able to make good sound decisions, well, where does that come from? Does it come from a pill? No. Does it come from caffeine? Hell no. What is it? Does it come from experience? It does. You know, I'm not going to put that aside. Experience obviously does matter. But what if you've had a bad sleep? You, you drunk a few beers the night before. You're not really taking care of your nutrition. You're probably not going to be in your peak optimized state. So one thing that we look at are sleep metrics. You know, I, I, I look at every, you know, how are you sleeping? I monitor how they sleep. I look at it. I look at the data on the back end. I put in protocols for them. So that's another big component of what we do. And, you know, portfolio managers, uh, just in the invest, the one challenge with investing is that if you want to read all day, if you want to read right till 11, 12 PM, you can, and you feel like you're getting ahead. But yeah. I, I'm just going to read out because I love, I love this tweet that you had. My winning sleep routine summed up in five points. I just, mm. when you, when I saw this, I'm like, this is amazing. Sleep with a temperature between 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit, invest in a quality mattress, eliminate cheat days in your sleep workout. That's an, that's a crazy line right there. Like I don't even think of a cheat and sleep workout. Like those are brand new terms. Um, minimize light post 8 PM. That's crazy. And mm. minimize mental activity to increase a calm mind. Could you expand on this? This is a brilliant list. <laughs> yeah. I love that list. I really like cheat I, days. We talk a, about cheat days. And I didn't we have talk a, a, I didn't have a sleep regime until I read that I should have a sleep regime. And I'm like, wait a minute, but, but yeah, give us, give us the overview on this. It's pretty, it's wild. This is amazing. Well, look, I always say that we are planning for our sleep the moment we wake up. So we have a 24 hour clock. It's called your circadian rhythm. You have one, I have one, and we're in line with mother nature. That's why there's 24 hours in a day. And if we dip out of that, 
a lot of things go wrong. Maybe we don't sleep well. Maybe we don't, you know, we don't perform well the next day. So everything in that list is purely there so you can have a deep sleep. Now, read me number one because I haven't got it open. What was oh, my yeah, number I, one? I, I, of course, of course. It is sleep with the temperature between 60 and 67. Okay, I love so that. If, if you listen to me, I speak about the fact that I sleep on a temperature controlled mattress. People think that I'm a bit crazy. Uh, it's, you know, it's quite insane because I travel a lot as well, but I have this sleep mattress that actually controls when I sleep. The reason being is because we've got this beautiful phase in sleep and it's called REM sleep. And we've also got deep sleep, but in order to really access those science says, and it's in the literature, it says that we need to drop our core body temperature by around two degrees. So I sleep on a, I sleep on an eight sleep mattress and it's all temperature controlled wow. and it's incredible. And it's a completely different thing to, you may, you may say, well, why don't you turn on the thermostat? Yeah. That's it's what different. I did. I was like, crank, crank yeah. up the air conditioner. Completely different. Cause that's ambient air. This is like core body oh. temperature and this is, yeah. And so one of the things I think I put on there to eliminate alcohol, if I didn't, I should put it on there. Yeah, no, alcohol's not on here. I but yeah, your thoughts on alcohol? I love it. Okay. But I, you know, but yeah, I, I like drinking. You know, grizzle. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <add it> sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, look, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy a glass of red wine. I, my dad is, you know, I come from Australia. My parents are from Cyprus, so my dad is very big on red wine, and he got me into it. We, we've been to a number of different wineries, so I love my red wine. However, have to have it with a caution because what it does is it actually blocks your REM sleep. Now, I don't know how much you know about REM sleep, but REM sleep is where we have all of our memory consolidation. Everything that we've learned during the day actually gets encoded during that phase. So imagine if you're an, a junior athlete, let's say I've got, I've got some 16 year old boys on uh, under Euro athletics. Okay. Those boys that are about to make the major league soccer or, you know, move up in their career. Imagine if they go and learn a new skill. Okay. It's not, you're not learning out on the field. Okay. You, you're, acquiring the knowledge and the movements, but it gets it gets embedded during sleep. So if you go and learn something new, take in information, and then you block REM sleep, you've just done that for nothing. That's why some people are like, oh my God, why can't I remember this? Oh, why? Oh, I used to know how to do that. It used to come so, you know? Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, so, I mean, we have, we have a good comment that's like non-snarter, you know, like not drinking at all. And so it's not an all or nothing, but if you do want to operate your peak, right, you're going to have to cut it out all the way. But we can say, if you want to improve from where you currently are, the more you cut down on alcohol, you're going to have a better result, right? Well, yeah, but look, it's, it's also the same as this other wonderful drug that we all have available. It's called caffeine. Caffeine has a half-life of 12 hours. So if you're going to have caffeine, it's, it's the same thing with alcohol. You can still have it. Science says, I'm not suggesting this, uh, but science says have it before 12 p.m., but I'm not advocating day drinking. Um, but if you're going to have a coffee, it's best to have it before midday, so you don't um, so you don't sedate yourself and block those REM sleep because that's what it is. Ethanol, which is the active ingredient within the wine and and all the alcohols, it's a it acts as a sedative. It's the same as THC as well. Hmm. So no. you, you'd put cannabis in the same same bucket yeah. as okay yeah it acts as a sedative so it completely blocks your uh, it blocks all of those sleep stages but it still puts you in a in a 
in a sedative state. It puts you, it knocks you out. So you in an unconscious state. So that's why some people think that, oh, but wine makes me feel, you know, it eases me up, but I can get into sleep. And so does, you know, smoking weed, but it actually doesn't. Mm-hmm. Now, Tom, on that list, I don't have it in front of me either. Does she, yeah, I got do, it. Yep. is there a layout of how many hours of sleep you should be getting? Or do you, yeah, no, this was, this was, yeah, this was in the real high level bullet points of minimizing light post 8 PM, minimizing yeah. mental activity. Like, what does that mean? Minimizing light post 8 PM. Is that just like, don't, don't have my phone in front of me, like tweeting yeah. at 11 PM. Have you heard of the hormone melatonin? Please yeah. tell us more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hormone you have it naturally occurring. I do too. And it it gets secreted. It gets released from a specific area in the brain. It gets released in response to darkness. Okay. Basically evolutionarily, it gets released. It's a hormone that gets released into the bloodstream to shut your system down and to put you into it. It's your sleepy hormone. Okay. Now I mentioned that it's a, it gets released in response to darkness. If your eyes have any exposure to light it doesn't matter how dim it is doesn't matter how dim it is any exposure to light is really going to block your melatonin from being released Mm. so what does that mean means that it's going to stop you and prevent you from falling asleep and there's a lot of there's a lot of studies to suggest that you should be sleeping you know you may say okay great well i'll turn my laptop off at 11 p.m it doesn't work like that it doesn't mean that you can go and get your eight or nine hours sleep from you know, 12 till eight, for example, you do need to be getting into bed according to our 24 hour clock before midnight. So I would say my sweet spot is 10.30 PM to be asleep. And then what you're blocking light post 8 PM? Well, no, I'm minimizing. I can't say blocking because that means I'd be walking around with a mask on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I try and minimize it. And, you know, I do wear, I, not even advocating for this. And then the science is still, you know, pretty new on this, but I, I wear blue light blocking glasses. I'm like, okay, anything that's going to help me. I dim the lights Uh, in my, are are you wearing blue light blocking glasses in the club? (laughs) Listen, listen, I don't even, I'm not so much of a clubber as I used to be. Um, It's funny because now that I'm getting older, I'm like, well, I've got my, I've got my continuous glucose monitor on my arm. I've got my whoop watch. I need to sleep on my on my eight sleep mattress. It makes me a very boring person. <laughs> a very healthy, very top fun. performing person though. You're going to yeah. live to 200. That's, that's um, what's going to happen. <laughs> that's the goal. Louise, I, I got to ask you though, because I was looking at some of your research, uh, This the a recent post you did on sleep it was really interesting about, you know, eight hours is, is going to be better than less. I see all these people on Twitter. I see people on social media. I've met people where they kind of are bragging that they're one of those people. They wake up at like four in the morning and they're biking and they do all these things before we get up and they're performing Mm -hmm. at a high level. Is that one of those situations they're in a job where they can get away with that and it's okay? Or or can we say they're not actually performing at a high level, but it's good enough for what they're doing? Like, what do you have to say to those people? As I don't like those people that are advocating for I'll sleep when I'm dead. So the people who are getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning and they're, you know, it depends. Are they? It depends on whether they're going to sleep at like 8 p.m., yeah. right? But whether they're, they're not and they're only getting four or five hours and they say, I don't feel the effects, it will come. Because here's the thing, you can't cheat your way out of sleep. There is no debt. People think, okay, I'll sleep less during the week and make it up on the weekends. It doesn't work like that. We're not a bank. And we all, right. op, you know, 
our brains need this. There's, there's only, I think, I don't know the percentage, but there is a percentage in a gene mutation. There's a, like, I think it's like 1% of the entire population has this gene. Okay. And this gene means that they don't have to sleep as much as the average, uh, average person. It's incredible. Can we test for that? So, so there are certain (laughs) people that that physiologically they can get away with that and it's not hurting them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very small percent. I think it's maybe less than 1%. I have to look at that. So don't um, quote me on that, but you, yeah, they, you've got to think, well, what's good for you? How do you want to perform at your peak? The way that LeBron performs at his peak and the way you do completely two different things. Okay. So you have to figure out what that is. If you feel like you're getting by there, you know, you can't cheat a lab result. Okay. I get all of my athletes to, they may feel good. I'll go, let me check your, let's do a a blood. Let's do a blood test. Let's check the, let's do a brain scan. Let's check all of this. And I'll tell you whether you feel good or not, because if you feel really good now, just imagine how good you would feel after you came and saw me for like two months. Yeah. So, so can the body adapt (laughs) where say you're living a pretty unhealthy life? Does that person who is living an unhealthy life all the time, feel less bad than someone who may eat very healthy and then they cheat the way they feel on a cheat day. This is something that's been, I've been very curious about. Can can you ask that one more time? Yeah. So say there's someone who always eats terribly, but their body's used to it. Do they feel better in general on a normal day for them because their body's just used to coping with that versus someone who's eating very healthy and then they have their cheat day. They eat a whole cake, for example. Yeah. That, that actually happens to me. So I'm a lot, I'm a lot, I don't know why, but I'm a lot healthier when I'm in Australia. I think it's just the, you know, the atmosphere there. But when I used to have a, a cake or I'd have something that, you know, was very sugary, I would just plummet because my body wasn't used to it. Um, in terms of the people who are just, you know, eating so the eating worst ribs all foods, day, cake all day. I mean, I'd be worried for them on every level. I'd be <laughs> Maybe worried they for their feel brain. terrible. They just you know, blocked it out. I don't know. They block it out. But the thing is, your look. Let's let's take a let's let's move out a bit and have a look at this for a moment. What you consider a good wage, for example, or a good salary, may be minuscule to Warren Buffett. Okay, but what you consider a good salary may be so much to a a mother of six in Ethiopia. Everybody has a different level. You have to find your own peak because what you, the way you feel amazing, I may feel crap. The way I feel amazing, you may feel crap. So it depends on who you are. That's why I always say, instead of doing questionnaires, let me have a look at what's going on inside you. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I mean, it feels like when I, when I eat like a piece of cake or something like that, I just feel so bad. I'm like, why can't, why do I have to feel so different? But I guess yeah. it's good because then it, it keep, keeps you away from doing it too much. Yeah, it does that for me with with wine. I just, for some reason, I just don't recover. I actually went to a party. Um, it was for it was for one of the players. He hosted a party on a Thursday night three weeks ago. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go for two hours. I was there until 4 a.m., okay? Let me tell you, it took me around five days to recover. I wasn't drinking or anything. It just took me yeah. five days to recover. Wow. We got some questions on REM sleep. So yeah, this it's quite good here. So we got one. Um, first of all, so someone's just catching up on the stream. What's the recommendation of hours of REM sleep that one should have every night? And then a follow-up to that is you mentioned coffee earlier. Does it affect your REM cycle? 
Yes. So I'm going to answer the first one. You should be aiming for 20% of your total sleep time to be in REM. Okay. okay. Um, so if you have a, if you use a whoop or you use an aura ring, you can see that it gives you the percentage. So that's a good place to start with. If it's lower, then something must have disrupted it. And the second question was around caffeine. Yes, caffeine yes. does block your REM sleep and also blocks your, your deep sleep. So you want to try and avoid that. And it's not just coffee. Caffeine is in everything. I think we've got an epidemic of kids now taking, uh, what are those energy drinks? You know, so much caffeine. Red Bull. Those. Red Bull. Yeah. It and just, they're for gamers. You know, the half- you know they, they, fo- they oh advertise them to gamers as something you need. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. What's the what's the one stronger than Red Bull? Those little red ones, right? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Twenty uh, like four hour energy or twelve hour energy or something. Rockstar. Like you're gonna, you're not gonna be a rock star. You're gonna be the, you're gonna be the exact opposite of a rock star. <laughs> You'll feel like a yeah, rock star for exactly. ten minutes. <laughs> so yes, to answer the question. Okay, that's great stuff. Uh, we got somebody in here who says I can after <laughs> I can pass out after midnight with an espresso. The Murray man. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, I, I cannot There's do that. also, I, I just want to put, there's also a, um, everybody metabolizes caffeine differently. Um, and there's, and that's dependent on your genes as well. Hmm. Could I ask you just about deep sleep? Cause I have one of those fitness trackers and it gives me deep in REM and oh, I didn't nice. really understand yeah. what it is. How does it relate to REM? And is it like one of the, I guess REM and deep are the two ones you want to target to have as much as possible? Yeah. Oh, deep sleep is beautiful. That's where beauty sleep comes from. So we get, um, we get most of our secretion of human growth hormone or growth hormone in REM sleep. And for men, testosterone is being released during the deep sleep stages. So deep sleep is actually comes before REM sleep. It's called slow wave sleep. And what happens is once you go, once you start to fall asleep, okay, you're in light sleep, and you go, and then the first stages is going to be that slow wave, deep sleep. And that is a really important sleep stage, because like I said, for an athlete, they need to be able to recover. That's where recovery takes place. Growth hormone. Why do you think babies and, and young children are sleeping so many hours? Because that's right. where they're getting all of their growth hormones secreted. It's also responsible for protein synthesis, as we know. Um, and then obviously testosterone. It's funny because hormones... When you do a hormone test, I actually just did one. I do them on all of my athletes and all of my hedge fund managers. My hedge fund managers are like, but Louise, I'm not a woman. I don't need, I'm like, well, I'm like, you've got man boobs. So obviously there's a lot of estrogen and estrogen. Like there's a lot of estrogen coming out for some reason. Do you sleep? No. Okay. So, you know, there's no testosterone being secreted. So they're not, so if you want to be like a man, you want to get your, you know, you want to get all that testosterone release and you want to be able to optimize for those deep sleep stages. Wild. You know what? It's, it's incredible. This turn like sleep is almost like yeah. the central tenant here, right? Yeah. People are like we've got a half an hour just talking about sleep. Let it, and yeah. we haven't touched about like now. The other points you talk about is um, just heat. When I think sauna, we were talking about saunas. Uh, cold exposure, like you know, yeah. uh, Joe Rogan's doing these cold plunge bath. Like, what's yeah. your thought on all of this? Does that help peak mental? Oh God. I'm so happy you said that because this morning I released a podcast episode and a newsletter, and it was called the neural effects of cold immersion. And 
I absolutely love cold plunges. I have one in Sydney, in Australia. Oh, wow. I don't have one in New York City. And it's, I'm like, how do I get one and put it, you know, in my living room if I have to? <laughs> the effects are absolutely profound from a neural perspective and from a bodily perspective too. Um, let's take, I'm going to give you, I'll give you two benefits and then one myth i don't know if you use uh, i don't know if you use a, a cold bath or if you no. use a cold plunge no, never i hate that. cold talking... water what <laughs> I, I can't say you know we have all these crazy cold lakes in ontario i can't do it i'm like you oh, know, just, wow. just get me to miami get me get me somewhere uh, warm okay let me just tell you what cold what immersing yourself in a certain cold temperature does 14 degrees celsius to be exact to be exact 14. as soon as you go in the most robust effect of cold immersion is this release of a hormone called norepinephrine it's a, a hormone and a neurotransmitter and it's responsible for focus vigilance and mood so if you want to increase your focus, you want to increase your vigilance, you want to increase your, your mood and, and get that happy mood, you want to get into a cold immersion tub. It's absolutely wow. wonderful. They did studies on this and it showed that it was one hour, okay, at 14 degrees Celsius that these subjects actually secreted 260%, if I, 260% more norepinephrine. So that's incredible. Wow. Um, Second thing it does is it reduces inflammation. Who wants mm. inflammation? Okay, so right. it's good in small amounts, but an excess of inflammation is really bad. It's actually responsible for a lot of diseases that we have. So if you hop into a cold, if you hop into a cold bath, as little as 20 seconds, the bath has to, the temperature has to be 4.2 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but only 20 That's seconds. That's cold. Get Whatever that is, is cold. It's extremely cold, but you get the effects. You get this lowered inflammation. Okay. So wow. we've got increased mood. We've got lowered inflammation. And then here's a myth. Turns out that all these people, this is something that I hate. All these people are running around, hopping into ice baths immediately after the gym. It actually blunts the hormetic response. So if you're going to go and you're going to do a hard training workout, you're going to go and pump some weights. Okay. It actually blocks you from getting the gains it blocks hypertrophy oh, so wow. that's a myth yeah so you want to wait at least two or three hours after an intense workout before you jump into the water so i was going and to ask it, that i guess that answered my question it's better to do that that water bath you're doing it for an hour before your exercise or your uh, competition no it would be best to do it five hours away from uh, both ends okay. yeah I'm gonna have to do a polar bear dip. They're they're, they're telling me my fam here in Toronto saying we have to do a polar bear dip. I I will. I mean, I may not do it, but I. <laughs> but, You'll make so some I'm gonna come there and do it. Oh, I'm gonna so, come there and do it. You know what? I, I, I'm getting the sauna put in, so you know what? Maybe I need to get one of these fancy cold plunges. Now, do you recommend this whole like that whole finish? You know, do the sauna, then go cold. Is that good or is that no? I don't recommend it. It's um, it's. In the literature, it's it's very new. Um, I wouldn't recommend it because, you know, going from, I don't know if you've done it, but you can almost like pass out from going hot to cold, hot to cold. It may make you feel good if you do it in a, you know, in an, I don't know. I, for me, I don't feel good. And just constriction of the blood vessels and then dilation too fast. It's just too much. Right. <laughs> right. It, it, it. And, you know, you feel like, okay, you're coming out of the sauna. You want to, you know, you do, you do, you know, it, it kind of feels like you're awakened, but 
but nothing as like got a question from in terms of really from where we all met, which was the Peloton um, the Twitter yeah. spaces. Just what is your thought on this new world of connected fitness, talking Peloton, talking all of the other uh, technological advancements that, you know, we can, that we have access to. Scott was talking about his sleep, but helping to deliver peak performance. Look, I mean, when we're looking at the, you know, we were we were introduced in that Twitter spaces that was talking about the Peloton stock going down. And I came in, I kind of gave a, a bit of a spin to the situation and thought about, well, what drives a stock? Okay. What drives a stock is many things. But one of the places I was coming from is, you know, the UX of the, you know, branding, who's actually, you know, whose classes are you taking? They're the things I love about Peloton. I, although that I, you know, the stock is going down due to a number of consumer complaints and whatever has happened with the technology and the treadmills. I do think though, we're really early to, you know, put them down. Cause I do think that they're going to rise. And the reason being is everybody has their market share. And I think yeah. that they've won in that market share. The reason I say that is because they've got incredible equipment. The people that they hire are absolutely impeccable. They, they yeah. cut, they, they sort them out. They, they fish them, they carve them out, they train them, they give them everything they can. They treat them really good. And that there is the winning formula. If you're going to treat your employees, you know, how many, how many organizations out there go on Glassdoor and they, you know, the employees and they put reviews and say, yeah, yeah. hate working here. Okay. That obviously isn't very good for an organization, but when you look at the way that they're treating these employees and it's really good, it adds to that value. So do you know of another company that has, you know, celebrity trainers like Peloton on their level? Is anyone in the same playing field? Oh no, not on their level. Uh, not from my knowledge. I know that there's a number of different, you know, we've got rumble boxing, they've got great, you know, they've got really big investors. Um, uh, I forget his name now, the, the little pop star, uh, Justin Bieber. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's one of the, the biggest investors there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to say that they're a celebrity trainer, no, I don't think that they are compared to what Peloton is. There are, you know, and they are breeding, you know, Peloton are, are choosing their athletes, not based on their celebrity. They're, they're not celebrities. They are made celebrities when they go in as a Peloton instructor. Yeah. You know what, Louise, that was one thing you, you said that really would blew me away in terms of just someone's like, well, you know, these guys will go, they'll go to another platform and bang Peloton's gone, but no one was giving no. credit to the farm system, the, the training, the, like they've created a new genre of superstar fitness where yep. basically these people were nobodies before. Exactly. You make it, that is your, that is, you know, when an, when a, uh, when an actor says, this is my big break, this is their big break. Right. Anybody wants to be on that treadmill. You become a superstar. You open yourself up to having, how many p subscribers do they have? You, uh, yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. millions upon millions and not just that, it's not even the live classes. You're an instructor. You do just so you've done 20 classes that all gets stored in the app. So all of these people that came in during the pandemic, the millions of new people who bought the bike, bought the treadmill, that's giving you access to, you know, you do the math. It's like one trainer to, there's 20 trainers, is it? 20, maybe 30 trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's still a small amount for millions upon millions of people to view you. So it's you become scaled, a celebrity. The business scales very well. You know, yeah, I, I wanted to add- well. 
I wanted to ask you as, uh, you know, a woman who uses this, I feel like sometimes the men have a view that's not, that's way different. And maybe it's a little outdated too, especially some of these finance bros. Do you think of this more as the service and the people you're learning from is more important than the equipment? Like it's not necessarily, are they moving past being an equipment company? Like they could do yoga, they could do things where you don't need some killer equipment and you'd still be in it because you're like, I'm here for the the people and the experience of Peloton. I'm going to give you an example. If I gave you a stethoscope, what would you do with it? I'd try to use it. I'd try to figure out how to use it. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't use it as well as a board-certified cardiothoracic surgeon, right? Yes, true. So the ROI of a stethoscope to you is very different to the ROI of a stethoscope to a cardiothoracic surgeon. It's the same thing. You can give me the Peloton bike, which I, I love. I absolutely love their treadmill. I think it's by far the best treadmill I've ever run on. I've run on a fair few. Yes, I can have that, but it doesn't mean the same as if I have the treadmill coupled with the trainer who's giving me the education behind a warm up, a cool down, the the sets, the reps. You've got your own trainer right in front of you speaking to you as if they're speaking literally like you are the only person in the world. So I don't think it's just about the 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 equipment it's also about the trainer and the education they put in yeah so what would stop peloton from say you can buy you want to get in a rowing and you have a really high-end rowing machine and you have a peloton rowing machine but peloton comes with all the people who you love and you identify with teach you rowing or weight training what could keep yeah. what stops peloton from getting into any fitness uh vertical right is is there anything you can think of no, I mean, look, I think that it would, it's very hard when you go out and you spread yourself out into the entire world. Like for, for neuroathletics, you think, well, if we work on the brain, that means my service is equipped to every single person in the world, right? Everybody who has a brain, but it's like, well, no, where, where do you want to make your mark? Do you want to make it in just the athletes industry, in the financial industry, what they've done is they've made their mark in the first in the bike, you know, the bike industry. They took over. Um, what's the what's the yellow branded um, studio? The oh. other cycling studio. Soul Cycle. No. Yeah. Soul Cycle. Yeah. They took over Soul Cycle, and I believe um, for the at home experience yeah. and. Then they went into the treadmill. They were very new to it. So they've got those two spaces. Whether there is other people, I know that there's other companies out there doing the rowing, but they haven't made it. So I think that it's a double-edged sword because they've got the brand that anything they touch can go to gold. They can bring out a, a basketball and be a basketball coach and have the Peloton basketball. That's actually a really good <laughs> business. Like, if you, you have it on here, I, on I need some dividends. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you the, so I think I told you in our conversations before, we Grizzle were bears on Peloton, but then COVID hit. Uh, yeah. we, we took all bets off, but we knew something had fundamentally changed here within Peloton in terms of, this whole work from home dynamic, like basically this has accelerated a trend that would have normally taken probably years and years and years. Yeah. And, and we're here right now. And this this idea of motivation on demand is incredible. You don't have to yeah. go out to your gym. And I just wonder, does the gym get disrupted forever? Or do we still need that personal interaction? 
I think the gym industry is going to be disrupted forever. I think we're going to be more moving into a space where there's a home gym and maybe personal trainers come to your home gym. Right now, I'm seeing there's these boxes, right? And in the boxes, there's everything. You've got a pulley machine, it comes out, you've got weights, it goes up to like 250 pounds. So essentially, for someone who's not interested in, you know, going to the Olympics, for an everyday person and you know, even for me, I would just have that at home thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it pays well. It's a, yeah, I think that, I think that that's the way the world's work going to move into. I mean, isn't it just simply if you want to avoid the commute of having to go to the gym, if you're not in the city, maybe you have to drive. If you can avoid that and get a personal training session on one of those boxes, mm. you might do that, right? Yeah, I think so. The people who go to an Equinox or a Blink Fitness or a, you know, those people I think are would be more susceptible to doing this whole whole at home experience because if you're just going to a normal Equinox, you're working out, you're probably not as inclined to be, you know, in there every day. Whereas people who are, you know, CrossFit junkies and they want to be around that environment, then they'd probably still stay there and go to their CrossFit, you know. So Louisa, you've got an incredible Substack here where it's the Neuroathletics newsletter. It's on Substack, neuroathletics.substack.com. Could you talk about what you cover in that Substack? You, you, what, what people should expect from the Substack, who the audience, obviously you got athletes, but clearly yeah. portfolio managers, um, other people who are desiring peak mental fitness should let, read this as well. So we put out two newsletters a week. One is an in-depth one. It goes out every Tuesday morning, like this morning. And it's based on topics where we break down the latest scientific and medical literature in ways that you can understand it. Nobody has time to go out and read 60 or 70 uh, research articles. So we literally deliver that to you in a way that's going to enhance and optimize your brain performance. So if you are in a space where you need to be on point, you need to be focused and you really want to have a healthy mind and a healthy brain, then, you know, that's what we do on that Substack. We also do a, a weekly wrap up on a Sunday where we'll deliver a health fraud. I know that there's a number of different companies that are doing things that really upset me in the health industry, oh, especially wow. when it comes to supplementation. Um, I'm really big on that. I'm Love big it. on you know companies going out and marketing and lying about what's in their products. So we do health fraud. We do uh, tweets of the week and just anything based around neuroscience and human optimization. So it sounds like this is kind of, I mean, if you're talking about peak mental condition, that, that can be useful to anyone, right? Anyone with a brain. <laughs> there you go. See, <laughs> anyone with a brain. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, this has been crazy illuminating. Uh, it, so much here to cover. We need to have you back on, but you know what? I think there's, there's really like, there's so much to go into depth. We haven't even talked about supplements yet, but I think what, what we'll do is we'll let's do another episode soon and just talk about just in terms of fueling your body. Uh, another topic I'd love to really expand on is longevity, yeah. but there's so many elements here. Incredible interview. Uh, Louisa, thank you very much. No, Scott. Thomas, you guys are awesome. I'm more than happy to keep coming on here and doing this. This is wonderful. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Let's keep in touch. Thank you, everyone. Cheers.